Why do we work hard to solve small problems? Why do we reinvent ourselves and our clients over and over? And why are we giving away marketing strategy for free? It's time to bring home bigger paychecks. It's time to create the lifestyle we deserve and to make a greater impact. This is the Fractional CMO Show, and I'm Casey Stanton. Join me as we explore this growing industry and learn to solve bigger problems. Hey, welcome back. It's Casey here, and in this episode, I want to talk to you about uh, kind of this kind of this uh, subtle thing that you should be looking at when you start working with companies. And it's a nice way to kind of test to see if the client that you're speaking with or the prospect that you're speaking with actually has the potential to be a long-term client for you or not. And this distinction is if they're running an offer or a collection of offers or if they have a business with more enterprise value. So let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, If you grew up like I did in more of the direct response marketing space, offers are pretty clear. So someone who starts a business with an offer is someone who says, ooh, I want to sell um, an information product, let's say, or uh, to people who are emergency preparedness folks, so the preppers. And maybe it's all about how to... um, uh, set up uh, solar power at your house or set up hydropower at your house or wind power at your house and sell back some of the um, extra power that you don't use back to the power company because they'll buy it back from you. So you can actually make a profit center and um, actually make money on generating power instead of just you know spending money on you know getting power delivered to your house. Okay, that's just one idea. So someone would come up with an offer and that offer would be maybe a training, it would be a video, maybe it would be some hardware, maybe it would be a kit. But whatever it is, it's it's an offer. It's outfit your home with this special type of electricity generating system uh, and potentially profit on it. And that's the offer. Another offer could be something like um an individual product, and they, you know, I, I worked with a company a long time ago, and they did car seats for, for dogs. Very cool product, well patented, well protected, just a great, like a great individual product. But it was really an offer. That was it. There was nothing else there. And moreover, like, there was no desire for there to be anything else there. Right, they were satisfied just selling the product. Like the success outcome for them, you know, was selling units, not building a business with enterprise value. So let me tell you why that's like good and bad. So the good of it is people with offers uh, tend to be pretty open to testing, which I love. They say, this is the offer. This is the audience. Let's drive some traffic to it. Let's do some Facebook ads. You know, let's try these different things and see if we can make it work. And those, you know, offer owners then uh, tend to employ people like copywriters and funnel builders and media buyers because they need that level of service and support, right? They need to like build those things out. Um, What I see happen is that those offers have a shelf life. And sometimes that shelf life is a decade. Oftentimes that shelf life is a season, So I don't want to get political here, but uh, I knew that during Obama's presidency, there were a, it was, it was, it was high times to be in the emergency preparedness space. So that's selling uh, stuff to people who uh, are preppers and preppers are the kind of people who have stockpiles of food in their home. Uh, They often have a bunker so that they can go inside of in case of, you know, some kind of cataclysmic event. They're the kind of people who stockpile fuel 
um, weapons, that kind of stuff. Okay. So I know during Obama's tenure as president, it was high time for those types of businesses. Then once Trump came into office, I saw a lot of those offers just no longer work. They were no longer relevant. And those businesses suffered, right? Like the, the, the smart owner might have gotten out because they knew that a changing tide in the political landscape could cause a dramatic crushing of their business. Uh, and maybe they got out in time. But I think a lot of those offer owners were making a lot of money and then that money just dried up and they were left kind of scratching their head and saying, oof, what next? Uh-oh, I don't have any money coming in anymore. The thing about offers is when you write a good offer, and this is like what copywriters do, if they can write a good offer, that, that offer can, can last for a while and, and they can mail it. And um, it, as long as like the topic is still in the kind of in the purview of the consumer, um, you know, you could, you could challenge me and say, hey, Casey, there's like some evergreen offers like, like excuse, excuse the, uh, the example, but like foot fungus, right? If someone has foot fungus, and they want a solution for it, there will always be someone selling a foot fungus cream or tonic. That's an offer. And like, maybe that's perennial, maybe that'll last. But I want to say as a fractional CMO, that's not a great place for you to go. And it's not a great place for you to go for really two reasons. One is because of kind of the chaotic energy of offers. When they're up, they're up. And, you know, you could be spending tens of thousands of dollars a day on ads, um, Let's just say you spend $1,000 a day on ads and you make back $1,200 a day in profit. Well, that's a money machine and you're going to beg, borrow, and steal all the money you can to dump into that funnel so that you can produce a 20% return day after day, right? Like that's, that makes sense and it's chaotic and crazy and, 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 and it's just like, it's a lot. A uh, lot of money to be made there too. It takes kind of an energy to be in that space, to be that creative, to be on the pulse that much, to be that hungry, to want that kind of fast change. Um, you know, also, if maybe you screwed up your URL in your ads one day, you just, up, you know, you updated your ads and you screwed up, um, you did .com with two M's on it or something like that, all that traffic for that whole day dumps to a 404 and... Um, that traffic gets wasted and you just burned all that money. So all that profit that you had is gone, right? So like those things can happen. These offers can break. They're chaotic. So that's one reason that I think that, um, you know, you might want to shy away from offer related businesses. And the other one is because there's nothing of enterprise value being built. So what do I mean by nothing of enterprise value? I mean, the business isn't, tends not to be sellable. It's very rare do we see someone who comes out with a single product, like a dog bed or nail clippers or a special type of um, uh, paddle for pickleball. And that person then build a full business around it. And a business would have, you know, designers and, and, and product buyers and a sales floor and a full-time maybe CFO at some point, like a true business, like doing more than just seeing how much Facebook traffic they can get. And once Facebook stops working, start seeing how much, you know, uh, cheap um, traffic off maybe TikTok they could get or whatever. So you want to look for a company that has the desire to grow in an enterprise way. And one telltale sign that a company has enterprise value is that they have a sales team. 
Now, not every company needs a sales team, but I'll, I'll tell you, if you've got a sales team in a company, it has more value than a company that doesn't have one. If you're reliant as an organization exclusively on Facebook ads, and that CPM goes from $35 to $55, let's just say, it may become untenable to advertise, and that business might completely fail. But if you had a sales team, all the sales team has to do is pick up the phone and keep calling. They just keep calling. Even if response rates are depressed by 10 or 20% or 30%, which would be kind of anomalous, generally speaking, um, you, they can still pick up the phone and keep calling. You can still have value in the business. Uh, same thing with like strategic relationships. You want to work with businesses that are open to the idea, either they already have them or they're open to the idea of generating strategic relationships with other businesses. So if you sell hot dogs, you might want to create a strategic relationship with a hot dog bun company and a ketchup company and a mustard company and a relish company. It just, it just makes sense to create those strategic relationships. Those things add enterprise value. Also, when you think of building, like as an executive, if you wear the hat for a moment of a CEO and you say, okay, I want to build enterprise value, you're also going to invest appropriately. You're going to invest in a CRM. I'll just tell you, if you are working with a company that does a couple million a year at a minimum and doesn't have a CRM, you're probably going to struggle, right? It's going to be tough to pull relevant data. You want a CEO who's on board to invest in the infrastructure of the company, which might mean a CRM. It might mean hiring a CMO or a fractional CMO, which is you, right? That's what you're looking for. You're looking for someone who's, who kind of is doing the things that says that they're taking business seriously. If you're the fractional CMO, um, you know, I'd, I'd say half the time you can get complete access to the P&L. Um, you know, some, some business owners don't want to share that. Some are super open to it because they're looking for any insights they can get to help grow the business. I like those people, right? If you look at the P&L and you see a bunch of personal expenses from the executive uh, on the P&L, like their car, maybe their spouse's car, who, do, who doesn't work in the organization, uh, more meals than seems reasonable, like that kind of stuff, then, you know, maybe they're playing the game of trying to reduce reduce their tax burden, but like also maybe they're not really thinking long-term about the safety of the business. They're not thinking about the opportunity to sell the business. If you work with a company that is being built to sell, regardless if they have the intention to sell, but they have the kind of discipline to build it as if they could sell it at any moment, you're going to be working with someone who is more kind of concerned about process and predictability and repeatability and um, stability. And I think those are all positive signs. You know, those are, those are green flags to see. So copywriters, media buyers, uh, marketing consultants, um, funnel builders, website builders, uh, any of you folks that are listening, be wary of anyone who is just who just has an offer and maybe has a history of just building offers. Offers alone aren't really a business. Like they can make money and, and there's plenty of people driving very fancy cars who are running offers, but they don't necessarily have a business. And to tie yourself up to it and commit to someone who is just running an offer and doing a cash grab as quickly as they can probably isn't advantageous for you. So if you look out for yourself, what do you want? You want a business that is trying to build enterprise value, that is building out a sales team, that is 
considering the value of infrastructure and investing in it and listening to you when you say, actually, I think we should think of this type of uh, software, this CRM. I think we should do some split testing software and then have them be receptive to your ideas because they see the enterprise value of it. That's ultimately what you're looking for. So shy away from those who are kind of fast at uh, iterating offers and never have a real business. And I think you'll find more predictability in your work, more predictability in your income, more simplicity. The pressure's off. It's like you're building something bigger long-term, but the day-to-day is less important. The quarter-to-quarter is more important. And I think it's just a better place to be. Because given... You know, given um, these two these two um, uh, options, what would you choose? Would you like to work with a company that is rabid every day, changing priorities, uh, Facebook account down one day, uh, have to move it over to the other one, credit card got maxed out, credit card got declined, like all that kind of stuff, like for credit card payments for ads. Um, you could work in that space or you could work with one that's more of like building a, a steamroller a behemoth that's like building it so they have multiple ad accounts. So that they have multiple people in case one person, God forbid, wants to take a vacation or exercise their vacation privileges. Um, you don't want the company to like fail, right? So you want to have like the budget and capacity to hire and cross train and all that kind of stuff. So something for you to consider. If you want to learn more about being a fractional CMO and winning clients, you can grab a copy of my book, The Fractional CMO Method. Go to cmox.co forward slash call. Oh, excuse me. Go to cmox.co forward slash book if you want the book and slash call if you want to have a chat with us. Okay, hope you're well. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information and episodes, visit our site at fractionalcmoshow.com. Go ahead and punch that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot, at least to my mom. 